Here we go. First Samuel chapter 17, verse Samuel chapter 17. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Verse 31. It says this. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able. Somebody say you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So David, you can't fight Goliath, you're too young. What he's literally saying is, when you were born, Goliath was whooping tail. Like, he's been doing this longer than you have been alive. Can you say tail in church? I just did. So anyway, here we go. For you are youth and a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. I struck and I killed it. David said, I got a bear head hanging on a wall in my home. I've been through this before. So your servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, that's a biblical cuss word, will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I don't think Saul's comment of the Lord be with you was like an encouragement I think it was more like, go ahead and God help you. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment, this opportunity, God, to be in your presence, God, in buildings all across this state and in homes and living rooms and kitchens and cars. But we're gathered together in your presence to hear your word. God, we know that it's not just going to be information, but it's going to be revelation that's going to take us one step closer to the plan, the purpose, the destiny that you have for us. God, have your way. And in this moment, and when you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. We're in week two of a series that we're calling Mature-ish. Mature-ish. Mature, but not quite. And we've been talking about since last week this idea that oftentimes age and maturity travel together. But sometimes age travels alone. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you're becoming more mature. Many of you can probably remember when you were 9 or 12 or 14, the first time you realized that every adult did not act like it. There were adults in age and there was adults in maturity. As it is in the natural, so it is in the kingdom of God. There's people, not people at Union Church. There's people at the church down the street. But there are people that have been Christians for decades but they have the spiritual maturity of weeks. And it's so important that we grow in maturity and who God has called us to be. Here's what the Bible says. It says, then you'll be able to prove and test the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Can I preach for a second? There are different levels of experiencing God's promises. Some people are not experiencing the promises of God at all. You're saved, but that's about it. That some people are only experiencing the good 
that what God has for them. Some people aren't just experiencing good, but good and pleasing. There are few people that are experienced the perfect will of God. And watch this. In the original Hebrew, that word perfect doesn't mean our English word perfect. It means fully mature fully ripened, fully developed. He said, hey, I want you to get to the place where you're experiencing the fully developed promises and miracles of God. And it only happens if we grow and mature as believers. How many people, your favorite subject back in school was English? Any, any English folks? You love English folks. Okay, God, God bless you, English folks. You people are weird. What, 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 what do you mean, where you, you people? I can't stand English, which is funny because I'm writing and preaching and communicating is what I do, but I could not stand English because it was so up for opinion. I used to hate when I used to get my English paper back and had the little red pen on it. And then the teacher would write something dumb on it. Like, you did not properly support your thesis. Says who? That's your opinion. You think I didn't properly support my thesis. I understand my thesis. That should be good enough. Any math folks, any of my normal, come on. These are the men and women of God. Math is the subject of kings and queens. Here's why, because math is black and white. One plus one equals two. It never equals three. It never equals four. It's not up to your opinion. It is, I mean, just clear. Even when you add the X's and the A's and the B's and all that other good stuff, it still all makes sense. Math was just kind of always my thing. And, and, and if you guys can remember back to school, sometimes it's bad to be gifted in an area because you get lazy. You, you, you just, this is my gift and it comes naturally. I'm one of those people that I do numbers in my head. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't really need to write anything down. So I would go to math class. I would sleep. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. I would sleep. I'd read the textbook. I'd ace the classes and I'm, you know, kind of going on about my life and just having the best time ever until I got to college. University of Maryland, College Park, best school in the world. By the way, fear the turtle. I get the freshman year in college, and I think I'm going to ace college math the same way I ace high school math, which is sleeping through class, reading the textbook, showing up, and acing the test. So guess what I did? I slept through class. I went to the test. I read the textbook. Watch this. And I got every question right, and I still failed the test. Off of one dumb phrase, show your Word. I wish we could write notes on our paper back to the professor. You got a note for me. I got a note for me. Yo, ma- anyway, <laughs> because when you get to a certain level, they're not just interested in the right answer. They're interested in can you prove how you got there? And I said, no, I can't prove how I got there because I did it in my head and I can't really explain to you how it worked out. I, it's the, I'm just like, it's the right answer, right? No, 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 no. If you can't prove how you got there, then we're not confident that you have a solid foundation. Because what that professor in, in, in freshman college algebra understood was if your foundation isn't right, by the time you get to statistics, by the time you get to set theory, by the time you get to trigonometry, if you don't have the right foundation, you're not going to have anything to build on. It's not just about getting to the finish line, but it's about have you walked through the process of 
building as it is in math. You didn't know you were going to come to a math class. I thought I was coming to church. No, you were coming to a math class. As it is in math, so it is in the kingdom of God. Your spiritual life is built in steps and processes. There's arithmetics, then there's algebra, and then there's calculus, and then there's geometry and trigonometry, statistics, and, and game theory, and all this different kind of stuff. Well, there's faith, and there's truth, and there's wisdom, and there's mercy, and there's spiritual gifts. And if you're not building a strong foundation. You can't show your work. You're going to be exposed on the worst moment ever. Here's what I've discovered. The solidity of my foundation is only exposed under pressure. As long as there's no pressure in my life, then it doesn't matter how strong my foundation is. But when the pressure begins to come, the solidity of my foundation matters. And here's what happens. People build faith without a strong foundation until that miscarriage hits. Until that parent passes away prematurely. Until that job is lost. Until And here's the thing. Life happens to us all. When life happens to us all, if we haven't built a solid foundation, we are going to wish that we had took the time to build the way that God has called us to build. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. In the natural, you have the children or the infant stage, and you have a young adult stage, and you have adult stage, and you have a senior adult stage. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. So last week we were talking about being an infant Christian or a baby Christian. That's when I'm learning the truth of God's word and I'm submitting to his lordship. That's when I'm making the decision that God's word is preeminent in my life and my opinion will submit to the word of God. That's when I discover who I am, that I'm no longer a sinner, but I am now walking in the righteousness of God. I am a child of the most high God and I have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. In our passage we were reading about David, we come to the moment where Israel is at war Again, which is basically the entire Old Testament, they're always fighting somebody and they're at war this time with the Philistines. David, who's the youngest of his brothers, was a shepherd and he was in the field taking care of his father's sheep. And his dad said, hey, take some cheese and take some bread and take it to your older brothers that are at war. Well, David comes out to the war, and some of you may know this story, and they had kind of drawn their battle lines. One army was there, and one army was there, and they were saying, hey, you bring out your champion, we'll bring out our champion, we'll have a one-on-one -on -one battle, and whoever wins, the other people become slaves. That's some high-stakes battling right there. We're going to fight for your own country. Well, Goliath was the Philistine champion. He was this giant that many believe he was over nine feet tall, that he had a spear that was the size of a grown man. He said, anybody who can defeat me, bring them now. All the Philistines were lined up and all the Israelites were lined up. And Israel said, we don't want no part of this. This is not looking like a battle that we could face. And David showed up and the Bible says that David was disgusted. He said, are you really going to let this giant defy the name of our Lord? Will nobody stand up to cancer? Will nobody stand up to poverty? Will nobody stand up to depression? Will nobody stand up to whatever the current giant is that you want to put a name on that is saying that God's promises are not for you in your life? And here's what David said. David said, because I've seen God deliver a lion into my hand, 
Because I've defeated a bear based on the power of God, this, because this uncircumcised Philistine is going to get the same thing that the rest. Here's what David was saying. Ah, I love when I know something that y'all don't know. Y'all ready? David's saying, I didn't skip steps. David said, I didn't skip the season of my life where I was supposed to develop the gifts that God has given me. I developed my gifts in invisible places, in obscurity. I developed my gifts in a place where the stakes weren't that high. And in those places, I discovered that a lion couldn't stand up against God in me, that a bear couldn't stand up against God in me. And I've never fought a giant, but my guess is this giant is about to get the same thing that that bear got. Here's the thing, when we skip steps, we're skipping lessons that we're going to need for the giant that God's called us to kill. Here's the problem. We see giants as being negative. Can I just give you a positive spin on giants? Giants guard breakthrough. Giants guard promotion. Giants guard influence. Giants guard the next promise and blessing that God has for your life. There's a great blessing that God has for you. There's, there's a giant that's standing between you and that's blessing. And when you defeat the giant of poverty or whatever generational curse you're fighting against, on the other side of that, God has a miracle with your name on it. But when we skip steps of development, we're intimidated by the giant that's in front of us instead of excited because we know this is a step to where I need to go. So as we talk about what I'm calling the young adult stage of your faith, the second stage of development, here's three things that you need to be thinking about, three things that you need to be thinking about as I'm maturing and I'm growing in my faith. The first thing is this, that my gift is my responsibility. That my gift is my responsibility. Now, I have two statements. Both of them are true. One of them is going to sound great. The other one's not going to sound humble, but it's just true. First statement is this. I love giving gifts. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I love giving gifts. Here's the second statement. I am the best gift giver there ever was. Like, like, not like, not like, okay, there, he's, he's, no, no, no. I am the best gift giver there ever has been. And I mean, I've been like this since young. I've been a G. I remember being young, my dad was, I was about 15 and, you know, it was Christmas time and I asked my dad, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And, and my dad was one of those guys that, that anything he needed, he went out and bought. By the way, if you're one of those people, you're really irritated because when it comes to your birthday or it comes to Christmas, it's like, what do we get you? Because you've already bought everything. And he said, what, what do you want? He said, I don't really need anything. And I'm like, bet, I got this. I'll just come up with something that you don't know that you need. So I went back and I'm just thinking, what does he need? What does he need? So this is my idea. And I think this is the best gift I've ever given in my life. I bought my dad one of those little college refrigerators. You know, those little like refrigerators you put in a college dorm. I said, dad, I got a fridge for your room. So you no longer have to share your sodas with your kids. We're going to stock this fridge. We're going to put it in your room and you can have all your sodas. We'd have all these little specialty Caribbean drinks that you could only get on trips to DC and all this. Like, I was like, you, he's like, Oh my goodness. How did you know? Because I'm the best. Give ever. I'm just saying you want me as a friend because I'm going to hook you up. Hear me. Every blessing comes with a catch. There's a great thing about Stephen, he'll buy you a gift. There's a bad thing about Stephen, he'll expect you to use it. I'm one of those people where I'm going to buy you a gift, 
And I'm not going to ask you what you want because I don't care what you want. I'm going to get you what I want you to have and you're going to love it. But here's what I'm saying. You better use it. It's going to be shoes. It's going to be a shirt. It's going to be something. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just that guy. I'm a check. Every single day. You're wearing it. Are you using it? Are you driving it? Have you eaten it yet? Did you use the gift card or whatever it may be? And if I can't see results, I will ask. That's a little ignorant. Well, listen, okay, I need to know if I'm going to waste money on you ever again. Did, did you wear it? Did you use it? Did you eat it? Is it? Come on now, tell the truth, shame the devil. How many of y'all have a gift card drawer? Where you, where you just got gift cards in a drawer just stacking up? You always go to the restaurant, you forget you have the, some of you are like, no, I use every single, <laughs> that's it, I know, I use every, oh, I just snitched on myself, I have a gift card drawer, and every time we're at the restaurant, I'm like, man, there's a gift card for this place. If you give somebody a gift, you expect them to use it. You thought about them, you prepared for them, you saved for them. Just so that you can bring joy, you expect them to use it. Hear me. God gave you a gift. God gave you gifts of communication. He gave you gifts of compassion. He gave you gifts of leadership, gifts of business, gifts of science. He gave you all of these different gifts. And I'm not telling you I'm God. I'm just like him. And he's watching to see, are you using the gifts that I've given you? One major stage of your maturity as a Christian is have you discovered the gifts that your heavenly father has given you? Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It says this, it is the glory of God to conceal or hide a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. Now, <laughs> My, my, my parents around Christmas, and I won't give you a long story, they, they just knew their children would always search for their Christmas gifts. And, and my dad would always threaten, if you find your gifts, you're getting a whooping and they're going back to the store. We're not little playing those games or whatever it may be. But because he had a little bit of compassion for us, he would at least hide the gifts. And now that I'm too old to be whooped, I'm just, dad, I found them every year. Every single year, the little back of your closet thing under the coat you never wear, that's not a good hiding place. Hear me, the Bible says that God hides your gifts. He hides them in you. Some of you have giftings that you don't even know you have giftings. And I'm jumping ahead of my message, but can I tell you why he hides them? Because if you find your gift before you find character, if you find your gift before you submit to God, if you find your gift before you've developed the truth of God's word in your life, that gift that was supposed to be a blessing will actually be a curse. Every gifted manipulator is actually a gifted communicator. But it's a gifting with no character. So here it is, we have a God that has given us gifts. He's hidden them in us, and it is our job to go on the process, to, to go on the journey of discovering that gift. Can I give you something fun? Edison did not discover or did not invent the light bulb. He discovered it. God invented the light bulb because all wisdom and truth comes from God. All he did was discover it. Carl Benz did not invent the car, the automobiles. We're like, I thought Henry Ford did. No, he perfected it. Carl Benz discovered the automobile. God invented it. God has hidden things. <laughs> Al Gore did not invent the internet. I don't even think he discovered it, but... 
God invented all of these innovations and he's hidden them. Some of y'all are young, like Al Gore, who's that? Anyway, they, God has hidden these things in us, in our intellect, in our environment around us to be discovered. And it's our job to go on the journey of God. What have you placed inside of me? Because you've given me that gift to use. There's so many Christians that are going through life and they don't know the gift that God has given them. I don't know why I'm jumping ahead, but hear me. Your gift is connected to your destiny, your purpose. Your gift is connected to fulfillment. Your gift is connected to the impact that God has left you to have here on earth. And if you never discover your gift, you will never be fulfilled. So watch this. Can I give you some gifts that David discovered? David was a gifted warrior. David had courage on the battlefield like none other. David was a gifted worshiper, which is so random. He's a lover and a fighter. David like, I'll cut your head off and then I'll sing at your funeral. Listen, I could do both of them. David wrote hundreds and hundreds of psalms. What are psalms? They're songs and poems unto God. David would play a harp with such an anointing that demons would literally flee. David was a leader. David was able to get men that had no direction and were not willing to submit to anybody, but they submitted to David. Do you know when he discovered these gifts? Out in the wilderness with these sheep. It was out by himself in the wilderness when he had nobody else to talk to that he grabbed a pen and started writing songs. It was out in the wilderness. He tried to talk to the sheep and the sheep wouldn't talk back to him. So he started playing on a harp and singing. It wasn't until that lion attack that David realized, I'm not running away from danger. I'm running towards danger. There's a courage inside of me that I did not know was there. Hear me. It's those moments of obscurity that are not wasted moments. They're not invisible moments. They're not, I'm sitting around twiddling my thumb, waiting for God to do something in my life. There's actually moments when I'm discovering who I am. And the gifting that he's placed inside of me so that I can maximize it for my purpose. Can, can I give you some just practical ways to discover your gifting? The first way is through serving. As you serve other people, you are going to realize that you're gifted in certain areas and there's other areas that you are not so gifted in. Watch this. It was serving his father where David's gifts came out. He was watching over somebody else's sheep building wealth for somebody else. And it's when he discovered what God has placed inside of him. Can, can I just be a pastor for a second? We don't need you to serve at Union Church because we need more volunteers. I, I don't know if you notice this, but church happened today without you. There were people in the parking lot. There were people greeting at the door. There was people ready to take your kids. We were running church without you. We don't need you as much as you need us. Because as you're serving in parking, as you're serving on kids, as you're serving in production, as you're serving in different places in the church, here's what's going to happen. Giftings that lay dormant inside of you are going to begin to be stirred up and you're going to realize, I have an affinity to this. I have a passion for this. I have a skill set in this. Serving is one way. Another way is following your affinities. Where is your attention constantly drawn? When you get into a room, what do you see? Here's a good way to kind of figure out your spiritual gifts. When you walk in a room, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If leadership is, the, is your gift, when you walk into a room, some of y'all walk on a growth track after service, and the first thing you're thinking about, is this starting on time? 
Who's in charge? Do they, you, you, you see nobody. You're just what has to get done. That's the gift of leadership. Some of y'all have the gift of mercy and you walk in a room and you're just like, oh, they're sitting by themselves. Oh, let me go next to sit next to them. I don't want anybody to be by themselves. And the reason why we're starting late is because you're trying to figure out who's lonely. <laughs> That's why you don't put mercy people in charge. But anyway, every time you walk into a room, whatever you have an affinity to is where your attention is going to go. And hear me, your attention is going to go in the direction of your gifting. Oh, I'm getting in trouble. The problem is we're so busy trying to feed our kids, pay our bills, and survive. that We don't even have the time to step back and to say, who am I? Where has God gifted me? How, how has he equipped me for purpose here on earth? That's why church is so important. Church is a 75, okay, I preach long, 85-minute pause in my week. You're not allowed to laugh. Calm down. Of who am I? Who did God make me to be? And what has he placed inside of me? Here's the last way that you discover your gifting through affirmation. Now, this may sound counterintuitive, but I promise you it's not. What's the purpose of a gift? To be? All right, we'll try again. The answer is to be given. Y'all ready? Here we go. What's the purpose of a gift? To be? Come on, there we go. The purpose of a gift is to be given. How do I know where I'm gifted? Start giving them away, giving your gift away. And watch this. You'll know how gifted you are based on how excited people are to receive your gift. I'm getting trouble with that. That's all right. My dad can't whoop me anymore. So there was this one Christmas. I was about 12 years old, and all I wanted was a pair of Timberland boots. I was like, he's like, what do you want for Christmas? Timberland boots. Okay, if you don't get those, what do you want? Timberland boots. Okay, what if you don't get those? What else do you want? Timberland boots. That's actually all I want. And my dad said, don't worry about it. And we get to Christmas and you know, you know how to do Christmas. You kind of size up the boxes. Is, is it the size box that can possess the promise that I've stood in faith for over the last three months? So we get to Christmas and, and there's a box that looks like it could hold Timberland boots. Not gonna lie, I kind of did take it and I shook it and I felt the weight and I heard boots shaking in there and I'm just like, yeah. Because the Christmas, I grabbed my box and I'm just sitting there. Everybody's ripping their stuff open and I'm just like, all right, this is my moment. My dad said I could open it and he's looking at me so excited. And I rip open this box. My dad said, you like it? How do you lie? How, how do you know that you're, you're supposed to be grateful but you're really not? Y'all, I didn't get... Timberland boots. I got some Payless rugged outback boots. The Timberland boots are the ones that got the tree like this. The rugged outbacks, y'all know those. They're kind of the trees kind of limped over like this. I got steel toe. What do I need steel toe for? Rugged out. And I'm just looking like, Dad, wow, you shouldn't have. No, you really, you you shouldn't have. Listen, a good gift, which that was not, people are excited when you give it. Oh, how excited are people when you sing? Listen, when Yoli sings, when Mandela sings, when Corey is here, I was like, ah, I feel Jesus. When Stephen sings, somebody make him stop. 
he, he's killing the presence. Some people, when they sing, they bring the presence. Some people, when they snatch you out of the presence. Somebody's like, why do you play the music so loud at Union Church to drown out your singing? That's, that's not nice. Calm down. Get back to it. Listen, how excited are people about your gift? They're not that excited. You might not be that gifted in that area. Can I push it a little further? How much are they willing to pay for your gift? The only way you can get your gift is to give it away for free. Come on now, any of my Christmas Eve shoppers? You go down to Target or Walmart or wherever, maybe Nordstrom's, and you just got all the random cousins that you forgot were coming for Christmas. You got, I got to grab some for them. And you're going, all the shelves are bare of anything people actually want. Because it was snatched up. The only thing left are the gifts that people aren't that excited about. And I know we laugh and joke, but can I be a pastor just for a moment? It breaks my heart when people are hell-bent on being gifted in an area that God did not gift you in. Hear me, God didn't give you all gifts, but he gave you a gift. And by desiring somebody else's gift, I am neglecting the gift that God has given me. And instead of me trying to be Bishop Rollins or Pastor Jimmy or Pastor Ron or somebody else who's gifted in a different way, I need to be faithful to my gifting because that's what God gave me. And by the way, he wouldn't have given it to me if it wasn't connected to my purpose. Some of us, we despise our gifts. Because our gift is not as flashy as somebody else, or it's not as charismatic as somebody else, or whatever. Maybe you'd hate their gift because that gift wasn't made for you. If you preach this message to yourself, Saul told David, hey, you go fight Goliath, but wear my armor. Because if you're going to get into a battle with a grown man, you might as well dress like a grown man. David said, I haven't tested and proven that gift but I know what my sling and I know what my stone can do. My sling and my stone, it may not be as pretty and shiny and sharp as your armor, but this sling and this stone, it's anointed, and I will lean on the anointing more than I will lean on what other people put their faith in. I need to discover my gift, and this ain't a point, but I'm just going to throw it in there, and I need to own my gift and not be ashamed of it, and not despise it, but say, if this is what God gave me, I'm going to be faithful with this. And by the way, God gives us natural gifts, and he gives us spiritual gifts. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Can I give you a statistic? 70% of believers, based on a, a Barna study, do not know what their spiritual gift is. 70% of believers do not know if they have the gift of faith, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of image. They don't know what their spiritual gift is. Now, here's my thought. If God gave us our gifts to fulfill our purpose here on earth, and 70% of us do not know our gift, how many of us are going to stand before Jesus on judgment day and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant? And how many of us are going to hear you made it to heaven, but you didn't fulfill your purpose on earth because you never discovered your gift? And you know what? I'm going to be back in the line and be like, that's why you should go to the growth track because we tell you what your gift is. <laughs> I can't wait to get to heaven. I'll be so shady. But by the way, I'm not joking. If you go to growth track, actually today, 
There is a test that you can take that's going to help you discover what your spiritual gift is. All right, second thing, write this down, write this down. My gift points to my purpose. My gift is my responsibility, but my gift points to my purpose. So as I'm tracking on through life and I'm getting out of college and all that, I began to discover what my skill set, what my giftings were. I'm gifted with numbers. I'm gifted with connecting with people. I'm gifted actually with hospitality. I love creating environments where people feel comfortable, feel warm, feel welcome, all that other good stuff. I'm also gifted with strategic building when it comes to organization and all that other good stuff. So I'm good with numbers. I'm good at kind of reading people. I'm good at creating environments. I'm good at kind of building organization. So I applied to the FBI. Makes sense, right? So he said, me too. Really? Yeah, just like it makes sense. I don't trust people. I could read them and I'm good with numbers. So maybe, you know, an analyst or something like that. And God is my witness. So um, I, please, if you're watching you know, the FBI, please don't lock me up. But uh, so they got this office, not the main office, but the one that's in Chinatown in uh, downtown DC. There's like this random door you walk through. It looks like a random restaurant. Next thing you know, you're in the lobby of like, the FBI interview spot. So I walk in, got my suit on. And I know when I lost the job, it was within the first three minutes. I marched through and I said, good morning. I'm here for an interview. And I'm sure they're right. Next. He's too happy to be FBI. This is not the call of God on his life. And I, I went upstairs and I'm telling you, I bombed the interview. I was articulate. I was excellent. I was just too happy. They're just like, if this is the guy defending our country, we're all going to be messed up. Let's not. Long story short, I didn't get that job. I had the skill set for it. I had the gifting for it, but apparently it wasn't my calling. Went and got me a degree in business, but ended up with no career in business. Ended up in ministry, and I'll talk to you about that in a second, but hear me. You can discover all your gifts, but your gifts can point you in 15 different directions. You could be a gifted communicator. And that makes you a school teacher. You could be a politician. You, 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 you could be, a, what, what do you call those people? An auctioneer. I mean, you, there's a, who grows to be an auctioneer? Anyway, there's a lot of things that your giftings can point you into. So there's a difference between my gifting and my purpose. Remember the day I discovered my purpose. It's reading Jeremiah 29, 11, which you guys know. It says, for I know the plans that it has for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And two things exploded in my heart. The first thing is this, that my life is not happenstance. That my life is not, let's see where it goes. That my life was actually planned before I was born. And that sounds kind of negative. Like, that's not fair. How come I don't? No, it wasn't planned to harm me. It was planned to progress me. It was planned to keep me in a position of hope and to give me a position where my future was always bright. I remember I was reading that moment and my heart exploded because two things happened. One, I realized God has a plan for my life. That it's not just I'm here on purpose. Part of spiritual maturity is understanding there is a purpose. There's a calling on my life. The second thing that exploded in my heart is I realized this. How many of my friends don't know this? 
How many people around me have never heard the fact that God knows them and he planned a life for them that is greater than they could ever plan for themselves? I remember in that moment, I said, God, I don't know what my purpose is and I don't know what you've called me to do, but here's what I do know. I wanna give the rest of my life to helping people know that they're not a mistake, no matter if their parents tell them that they were, you know, we didn't plan you, we didn't see you coming. Well, your parents may not have planned you, but God planned you. And he had a purpose and he had a direction that he set you up for. Fast forward 14 years and now I'm a pastor. It's a good thing I'm good with numbers. We're able to be good stewards of the resources that God gives us. It's a good thing that I can read. Everybody said, man, you're a phenomenal preacher and all that. And it's weird me saying that, but hey, I'll go with it. You know, one of the reasons why I'm a gifted communicator, because I don't just preach the truth, but I preach to where people are. Can I I tell you how I prepare my messages? I prepare my messages for the skeptic. I don't prepare my messages for people who agree with me. I have prepared my message for the, you hear me say this all the time, for the people who sit in church like, I don't think so. No, that's not. And I'm the, my goal is to deconstruct every argument that you have. So at the end of the message, all you can say is, what must I do to walk in that? I love creating atmospheres. It's a good thing because we've created a place where people can encounter God. And God's given me, watch this, all of my gifts are fulfilled in the purpose that he's given me. But I have to study my gifts to figure out my purpose. Look at David. How in the world can I be a warrior, a worshiper, and a leader in one vocation? That, that doesn't even, the only thing that warrior, worship, and leader works for is being a king under the direction of God. Because you're gonna have to fight battles, but you're going to need the presence of God to lead you in a battle and you're going to have to convince people that God is with you. Your gifts will point you to the purpose that God has for you. Jeremiah 29, 13 reads this. It says, you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Here's what God said. He said, you'll never be able to connect the dots with all of your gifting without me. He said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to price me, not arm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Verse 11, but just go to verse 13. You'll never know that future without knowing me. You'll never know that gifting. You'll never know how that plays into your purpose without first connecting to me. That's why God says, if you will seek me, you'll find me. And watch this, when you find him, you'll find you. Because you'll figure out, why is he giving me all these different things? There's a book called Thou Shalt Prosper uh, by a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Lapin, Lapin, and it's the Ten Commandments of Wealth. That's kind of the subtitle of it. And and he's kind of going off of the premise that here in America, Jewish people make up about two to three percent of our population, but yet they are 30 percent of American billionaires and hold, many people believe, 20 percent of the world's wealth, one of the smallest populations one of the wealthiest people on the planet. And he's kind of walking through, here's the why, and he's breaking down all the misconceptions that, that, that Jewish people only do business with Jewish people. He said, no, Jewish people hate Jewish people just like everybody else has everybody else because we all just sinners saved by grace and all that. But here's what he said. He said, there's something in the core culture of the Jewish people from the Old Testament where they never saw their job as a place to make money. 
He said, here's the fundamental difference. He said, we were raised and trained from the Old Testament that my job is not how I pay bills. My job is my ministry. My vocation is actually how I serve the world. Matter of fact, he said, coming out of World War II when they were rebuilding their lives and they didn't have names and they were able to pick their own names, they would pick a name based on their vocation. So my name is now whoever it may be, blacksmith, because that's the vocation. They would cut their identity around their vocation. They said, this is the way that I am here to serve. It's not about making money. It's about this is my purpose here on earth. So many of us, we just work for a paycheck. But if I didn't have to do this, I would do, oh, can I just, I always get in trouble. You know what really irritates me? But I want to retire when I'm 40. Really? You want to live on a beach for the rest of your life? I mean, I could see one week. Some of y'all all messed up because this was your plan in life. Four weeks, maybe. But from 40 to 97, you're going to contribute nothing to society? Really? Listen, Hawaii gets old. I've never been, but I'm sure it could get old. No, 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 no. It's not about making a paycheck. It's about what's the gift that God's put inside of me so that I can serve people around me. Can I, this is, can I go just a little bit further? And they said they don't see their paycheck as a way to pay their bills. They see their paycheck as an indication of how much of a blessing to society am, that I am. So when I give my gift, how much they pay me for it is how grateful they are for it. And if my paycheck is small, they must not be that grateful. And if my paycheck is big, then it must mean that they're rude. So I'm actually seeing how much of an impact I'm having on society. Hear me. There's so many people that are living life, working hard but unfulfilled. There's so many people that I'm, I'm, I'm taking a paycheck. But I hate my job. I'm doing this or I'm doing that. I've made millions but I feel empty on the inside. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, watch this, so that we would walk in them. There is something that God has designed you to do. You were made for it. And hear me, you will never be happy. Just to be ignorant, I don't care how much you speak in tongues. You'll never be happy until you walk in your God-given purpose. I don't know why there's like an ignorant anointing on my life, but that's why I'm not really impressed of how many Bible verses you've memorized. That's why I'm not really impressed on how long you could pray in tongues. I'm impressed with, are you walking in purpose? Are you fulfilling what God has called you to fulfill here on earth? Watch this. If I'm not walking in purpose, I don't need faith. Because if I'm not walking in purpose, I'll never run into a giant. Because giants only stand in front of people that are looking to fulfill the call of God on their life. There's so many people where our, our faith is anemic because we're not walking in the purpose that God has for us, so we haven't needed to use our faith. All right, somebody say move on. All right, don't say that, but let's write this down. Last thing is this. I must live 
for tomorrow, not today. The, the, the season of my life as a believer, I've laid a foundation of truth, I've discovered my identity in God, which by the way, I'm growing for the rest of my life, but, but, but I'm discovering my gifts, I'm, I've discovered my purpose. I need to begin to live for tomorrow. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 12 says this, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Then Samuel went to Ramah. Somebody say chapter 16. What we're preaching out of is chapter 17. David is standing in front of Goliath, getting ready to save a whole country. In chapter 16, David was anointed king. The prophet Samuel came to his house and said, hey, God said there's a king in this house. Jesse, his father, brought all of his brothers except for David and said, hey, is this the king? And everyone, God said, no, 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 no. He said, do you have any other brothers? Well, there's David, but you couldn't want him. He's just a shepherd boy out in the field. Samuel said, bring him. God said, that's the one. So they anoint David as king of Israel. Now, you know what David did after he was anointed king? He went right back to the field that he came out of. God said, that's the king. Just not now. He's not ready now. If I send him out now, he'll fail like the last one did. But if he will trust me enough to be cold and invisible, if he'll trust me enough to have a purpose on his life, but to take the time to develop his calling, when the right moment comes, he will be ready and he will be prepared. You're a king, but you're a king who's never fought a lion. You're a king, but you're a king who's never fought a bear. You fight the lion and you fight the bear in obscurity. You don't fight it on the grand stage for the world to see. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but this is just Stephen, so you can reject it if you want. Here's what I think. I think when that lion came and snatched that lamb, David was shook. I don't think David was like, oh, I'm going to go fight me a lion today. I think David was like, my dad will never know. He won't know. He's going to know. No, he won't know. Do I? And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go. And the Bible says that he went to snatch the lion, not to fight the bear. Read it. And David said, when the bear turned on me, that's when I took him by his mane and killed him. David became a warrior through necessity, not through desire. The circumstance told him who he was, not the courage in his heart. And then when the lion came, I don't know, I think he was scared. Not as scared as the bear, but still scared. So by the time he got to Goliath, he had discovered his gifting, but he had also gotten over his insecurity. So he was ready to step up to Goliath in courage. Hear me, there's a development phase where God says, I'm going to put a lion in front of you, but no one will see. Yeah. And you want to be seen, but you don't want to be seen because they're going to see that fear in your eyes. Yeah. And if you'll be faithful to be developed in obscurity, when it's your moment to be king, you would have dealt with the fear in your heart 
and you'll be able to be courageous like God's called you to be. There's so many people, they want to be kings, but they don't want to be hidden. Pastor, give me a title. I'm, oh, I'm getting, tr- okay, somebody should just end this message. Oh, they, they want to start a business, but you've never, never been faithful at your job. You want to manage millions, but you've never managed hundreds. It doesn't work that way. It's steps. Luke 16 verse 10 says this, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. There's a season of my life as a believer where I need to discover the gifts that God's put inside of me, where I need to discover the purpose that he's given me, but then where I need to begin to walk those out where no one can see. Where it's not, I I, I want my moment to come. Your moment will come. But it's not going to come until, as Paul said, you work your faith out in fear and trembling. I'm 34 years old. We're like, oh, you're young. You don't don't preach like you're young. You sound like an old man. You know why I sound like an old man? Because I spent a decade of my life listening to great men and women in the faith. I would listen to five messages a day, downloading God's word in my heart, not even knowing that I was going to be a preacher one day, just knowing this is something I'm passionate about. And now today I'm reaping a harvest on a season of sowing. Decades ago, what I've discovered when your moment comes, it's too late to sow seeds. And if I skip the season of development that God has for me, when it's my moment to step up, I'm going to shrink back. Hey, let's pray. Father God, God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that you've gifted us, you called us, you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. God, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice. God, that you'd help us to see who we are in you, that, that you'd put purpose in us. Those that have success, they don't have fulfillment. God, you've called us. You have a plan for us. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. So many of us where we've been seeking giftings, we've been seeking purpose, we just haven't been seeking the gift giver. All that who we are, it starts with who he is. Maybe you're in the room right now, you're watching online, and if you'd be honest, you say, I'm not pursuing God with my whole heart. I've never surrendered my life to Christ. Maybe like, I believe in God, but that's about as far as it goes. Well, hear me. The purpose, the fulfillment, the forgiveness that you're looking in God, it does not come unless you start with surrender. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you, I haven't surrendered. I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life. I haven't invited him in the way you're talking about, but I want to. If that's you, can you pray this prayer with me? Matter of fact, every single person out of encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever, pray this, say, Lord God, thank you for seeing me, for having a plan and a purpose for me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that all my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Today, right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name.
Amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person? <laughs>